Welcome to Crushgasm, the podcast dedicated to the highs and lows of crushes. From their first to their worst, we're going to cover them all with a cascade of characters, including our guest today, a man just out there living his truth, Benjamin Carlton, an actor, activist, and traveling foodie who is here to talk not only about his book, I'm Black, I'm a Minister, and I'm Gay, but also his crush on a couple of mainstays from the 90s, Merlin Santana, and the standard when it comes to male models, always and forever, Tyson Beckford. Benjamin, how are you? I am great. I am great. And thank you so much for having me on. It's so funny. Just saying those names brings back some memories. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited to talk about your first crush. But first off, Benjamin, you noted that you grew up in what was quintessentially the hood. When it comes to mind, I think everyone can kind of imagine the kind of area you grew up in, especially in the 90s. And you said that was part of the reason coming out wasn't in the cards for you back then. Was that something you realized like at a very young age? You were like, "Mm, let me hold off on this. You know, at a very, very young age is when I discovered I needed to hide who I really was. You know, people have reasons why they explore the different realms um, on on the spectrum of, of sexuality. And all of that, you know, I came out of the womb gay. You know, when when the doctor slapped me, I said, ooh, do it again. You know, <laughs> um, no one taught me, nothing happened. And it wasn't until I was in uh, kindergarten and I kissed one of my guy friends, you know, as, as normal, innocent five-year-olds do, uh, playing house. And all of the kids burst out with, ooh, you're nasty, you're gross, I'm telling and that I didn't know what I did and what made everybody gross out because we had, you know, when we played house, girls would kiss guys. So, you know, I was kissing the guys. So I didn't know what I did wrong. And the more and more I started uh, to receive um, rejection and criticism for my feminine ways, for liking boys and all that, I started to uh, hide and, and mask myself. So you were very young kindergarten. Which, I mean, you said you were born gay. I think that's how everyone is. You know, it's like not a choice or anything. It's just who we are. It's in our cards. So we've done a couple episodes about crushes that were kind of, they sexually awoke our guests. It's kind of like we did uh, a trans masculine person who their crush was Drew Barrymore, made them realize maybe I'm into women. Uh, another one was he, uh, he was going through puberty, saw Katana in Mortal Kombat. It awoke some things. And mm-hmm. I wanted to know, in ki- I mean, you were exploring in kindergarten, so probably Merlin Santana, Tyson Beckford weren't who sexually awoke you. But do you have a crush that maybe did, maybe in pop culture, where you're like, hmm, they're cute. That's what I'm into. Not anyone specifically. I mean, I always was into guys and would, you know, like TV, like, <laughs> okay. I had a crush on Uncle Jesse from uh, Full House. Okay. I mean, when we're talking about 90s, Uncle Jesse is it. I think anyone <laughs> who watched that show, ah, gay, ah, straight, ah. whatever you identify was, knows Uncle Jesse was it. <laughs> yes. yes. I mean, when he sung and I mean, it was just, yeah, I had a crush on Uncle Jesse. Of course, you know, 
being almost the same age uh, as Usher, not too far away, had a crush on Usher, Brian McKnight, um, all like the, the R&B singers who would be, you know, on TV or late night on BET. What was it? BET Uncut, where they got raunchy. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you had to sneak and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a wild one. <laughs> I remember watching those. Well, let's get to these crushes because we're going to start with Merlin Santana, which I was very excited to see this choice because I think in the 90s, he's one of those crushes so many had, but I think we kind of forget about because he wasn't like, someone you knew the name of like instantly so i was really really excited to see this as one of your picks but i wanted to know how you came to know merlin santana was it like he was on an episode of sister sister was it moesha was it the steve harvey show it was all of the above <laughs> i was a fan of all of those shows steve harvey moesha uh, sister sister and yeah most of the guy most of all the guys and it wasn't until marquise houston like grew up that i had a crush on him but all of those guys from those shows uh, i had a crush on q i had a crush on um from moesha um <laughs> yeah it was it was all of the above marquise houston i remember when roger did that flip it like changed the world for us. It was one. It was one season. Like yeah. he came back grown. I was like, "Wait, what happened? I know. How I can a, I grow up that quickly over a summer?" I know. I had a friend in fourth, fifth grade, and she loved like IMAX and Mature. And I was just like, in my head, he was still Roger. So I was like, "Girl, you're crazy." And then I was like, "Oh, oh." <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so uh, Merlin played Ohaji on Moesha, one of the love interests, and more Romeo from Steve Harvey. And Romeo was more of this like really cool guy. I think that's why we kind of all liked him. And I yeah, wanted to know, yeah. like, did that cool guy aesthetic translate to who you kind of crushed on when you went to school? Was that who you were into? You're like the popular boy. Yes, I always was with the popular guy. And I, you know, I didn't come out until uh, 30. So I always was in uh, either undercover DL or exploratory situationships. And so uh, always was with and was attracted to the cool guy, the popular guy, the one who, you know, uh, attracted all the ladies. It was, yeah, he, he was it for me. He was smooth with his words. Uh, even when he messed up, like his charm was able to, that's my problem right now. You charm me and I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> like, All you got to do is give me a smile and a wink and you got me. So I, I yeah, I, I'm, that's my weakness. And what a smile he had, right? Yes, yes. Romeo, you mentioned Q. These, again, another really cool, smooth guy. And you mentioned you didn't come out until your 30s. And I was thinking like, when you were you know, in the closet, as they say, especially like growing up, did you and you said that yourself, you took part in kind of like the gay bashing as just kind of, I think, a form of not being outed, um, trying to blend in. Do you think like the cool guy crushes also influenced how you acted like a cool guy, maybe? Yes, I, you know, wanted to be that GQ guy that, you know, everybody liked. I wanted, you know, to be the smooth talker. So, yeah, all, all that definitely influenced the type of guy I wanted to become. Now, in order to mask being gay, 
um, are feminine, I decided to pick up a geek and nerd persona. So I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't reach the cool guy persona <laughs> until college, but mm-hmm. I was definitely, you know, the nerd, the teacher's pet, the, you know, smart guy. And and I, I chose that persona because I would, I'd rather be teased and picked on for being a nerd than teased and picked on for being gay. Okay, okay. So you weren't more Ohaji Q, you were more like Mo's best friend. Yes, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, I do want to mention Moisha again, because it was one of the few Black-centric shows back in the 90s to have any sort of gay character. It was, it was just like one episode, though. The character was named Omar. Do you remember that episode at all? Vaguely, vaguely. Were they, they were trying to figure him out. Yes, and I think Mo yes. sort of outed him, and it was yes, like yes, you know, lesson. Yeah, so, yeah. There was this really good article about you know black shows, black culture not really embracing gay characters, even though the '90s are called like the gay '90s. It was really lacking. It was kind of just like Will and Grace and Ellen. That was right. towards the end. And black shows didn't really have a lot of that. And as much as I love the 90s, all I can really think of is like RuPaul. But even then, RuPaul wasn't what he is today. RuPaul has like 75 shows on all year round now. (laughs) So I wanted to know, do you remember like the first time you saw a queer black person on TV? The first time I saw a queer black person on TV, I don't remember the first time. I do remember the movie Philadelphia um, and they were dealing with AIDS and HIV. And that was, you know, my first introduction to, to, you know, we, like you say, in the black community, there wasn't much, you know, Mm -hmm. all we had was terrible narratives about, you know, the black queer experience, which were far from the truth. And the characters that I would see were like exaggerated, like, I mean, you know, always to the extreme, very, very feminine, very, uh, you know, uh, drag queen, um, and which is nothing wrong with, with folks who, uh, who you know are, are are living in that life, and who who choose to or who are that? Uh, mm-hmm. But that's all we saw, and so I don't remember the first character. I just remember people frowning upon the very feminine character, the 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 drag queen, the crossdresser. Uh, and I'm trying to think of like the first. I think it was. It may have been uh, either uh, in Queerest Folk. Or I cannot think of the name of the show, but it was a popular gay show uh, with black characters. Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. Yes, and I would I would see clips of that online, but I can't recall uh, a a gay character, black character. I remember on the show West Wing when um, there was a group protesting against you know gay people in the Bible, and the president in the show read them for filth. But I don't. I cannot recall the first gay character. I, you know. Actually, I can recall when they would make a straight character play gay or, or cross-dress. And I remember Waldo uh, cross-dressing on Family Matters. Okay. All right. I think... No, no, no. There was a... Urkel never did that. They actually had... Like, no, a, Urkel, Urkel oh, did cross-dressed. He, was um, he, he, he... Myrtle Urkel yeah, was his okay. uh, character. I was trying to think of... Because in my head, like, I get that confused because I always thought, like, Drew Carey was Mimi. And then I found out Mimi was a real person and I was like, whoa, so I'm trying to remember that. But do you think that lack of representation, especially in like black entertainment at the time, played a part in making you and possibly other black LGBTQ youth like think that you weren't normal in a way? Absolutely. The the, you know, and when when those characters were portrayed, you know, 
it was for entertainment and you made fun of them. Mm -hmm. um, they were the butt and brunt of the joke. And so you dare not explore your sexuality, your fluidity, your 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 gender expression because the characters that did were made fun of and were uh, seen as annoying and seen as you know unwanted. You know, Murder Oak Girl, nobody wanted her around. You know, when Carl uh, dresses that you know woman, uh, uh, he was going on a stakeout or something, and he they were trying to teach him to switch and walk. He just looked terrible, and so it it played a, a part on people's confidence. And Carl uh, from Family Matters gay in real life. Right, right, right. Never knew. Never knew. Now, I don't want to hate on the youth of today, but they really do not realize how great they have it when it comes right. to representation. It's come so far, even since the 90s. I mean, they have the natural hair movement, which would have been fantastic to see. When I was growing up, I hated my curly hair. The body policy movement, as a fat kid, that would have helped me a lot. And I'm sure LGBTQ for you would have helped. Now, do you think like if you had entertainers like Frank Ocean and Lil Nas X that your life would have been different as a kid? Absolutely, without and beyond a shadow of a doubt, my life would have been different. Because my whole entire life, I, you know, humans naturally try to find place and space that they belong. And so my whole life, I was just looking for somebody that was like me, that I could relate to, that I could, you know, compare myself to and could not find any of that in TV, in my life. And it, it wasn't until I, you know, moved into church culture as a teenager that I found more and more queer teenagers. And so, yeah, no, my life would have absolutely been different. Representation matters. People can't become what they don't see. And so having a little Nas X be loud and proud and you know, unapologetic is an absolute treasure to the world. And I support him 10,000%. Me too. I am obsessed with him. And like his marketing genius, like the way yes. he goes viral with every little move he does. Perfection. Yes. And I want to know his workout routine. <laughs> right. <laughs> he just posted a picture today um, with his chest out. I'm like, what is this guy eating? <laughs> but anyway, queer or not, even just having like black people on TV was still something that was like being normalized in the 90s. But thankfully, we did have shows like we mentioned, Moesha, Family Matters, Sister, Sister, Steve Harvey, which I think is why I, it was so heartbreaking. You know, 20 some years ago when Merlin Santana's death, the news broke. Was that mm, something yes. that hit you hard as someone who crushed on him? Absolutely. I was devastated. I couldn't understand. I would like. Like how and why did this happen? Who was responsible? And so, yeah, no, it was it was devastating. Yeah, and I think at the time too, very young, it was hard to like lose a celebrity you love. There was him. Mm -hmm. There was uh, Left Eye. I remember yeah. Aaliyah, and it was just like, yeah. why is this happening? <laughs> yeah, when when Aaliyah died, my friends gathered on my porch and just sobbed. And I don't know if I was like the moral compass of the of the neighborhood, but it was I wasn't even home when I got home. My friends were gathered on my porch waiting to tell me the news. Oh my um, god! So that we could all cry. It was it was a, a real big deal. It was even to this day. I mean, they just put her music on Spotify, and it was like the biggest thing in the world. Yes. So we're gonna go from a very negative thing to a very positive thing, and move on to your other '90s crush, which is Tyson Beckford. And My I don't want to assume. Goodness. <laughs> I don't want to assume. still get it today. Yeah, I don't want to assume, but was it the Tony Braxton video? Uh, I saw him in a magazine. Um, oh. I think Tommy 
I think he was for Tommy or Calvin or one of them. I think it was Tommy. And he had on, it, or it could have been Polo. Whatever one he had on these white underwear is the one I fell in love <laughs> with and, and, and folded that page up and hid it in my book bag, in my books. <laughs> like, I loved, overloved Tyson Beck. And back in the 90s, like, that's kind of all you had were like magazines and maybe you'd catch them on maybe like MTV's House of Style. Like, how are you learning about Tyson Beckford back in the day? Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, it. it was it was magazines. And you're a very well-dressed individual. Was that influenced by this crush at all? Absolutely. You know, when you saw him, you knew that he was going to bring it every single time. Um, and he has one of those in infectious smiles as well. So it was, he absolutely influenced a whole bunch for me. <laughs> now, with you being a foodie and your 90s crushes being total snacks, I want you to do <laughs> a little game. I want you to compare Merlin and Tyson to actual food. So which would each of them be? Merlin would be a caramel uh, sundae with a, a warm waffle cone, you know, with all the great toppings, warm caramel, nuts, whipped cream, because he's fun. Uh, you just want to sit and have fun with him. Tyson is a little bit more sophisticated. Like he is a like a nice steak dinner. He's meaty. He is he is seasoned well. He is experienced. You know, it is a party in your mouth, all pun intended, however you want to take it um, when you bite into that steak. You made them dinner and dessert. Love it. Yes. <laughs> okay, so now we've reached the end of our crush portion, and we always wrap this part up with a little make-believe. So if you can live out the rest of your days with Tyson Beckford, what do you think your lives would be like today? And I just have to say, this man is like 50, and he still looks as good as he did in that picture that you took out of the magazine yes still so. looks good i think we um would live out the rest of our days traveling the world having fun taking pictures uh, encouraging people to be free and be themselves utilizing utilizing his platform just to free so many people letting them know it's okay to be them um, because he is actually, you know, I follow him. Uh, I've, I've yet to meet him. I want to meet him. We were at the same party once, but I wasn't able to get to him. But he has fun. He loves to skinny dip. He loves to, you know, uh, explore himself. So I uh, really, really um, think that we would live the rest of our days just traveling the world, having fun. Wow, skinny dipping. Yes. Good imagery mm -hmm. there. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm a fan and I jump right in with him. <laughs> so now it's time to talk more about this amazing book you've written. So I'm black, I'm a minister and I'm gay. I get the black and gay part, but I want to know when did you get into ministry? I jumped into ministry early on as a teenager. And I actually, you know, I believe, you know, I answered the call as a, a young person. I in first grade would, you know, gather my friends in the backyard and play church. And we didn't come from a religious family where I would have learned this behavior. It was something that just was innate. Um, and so uh, I've, I've always had goodwill in my heart since I was a kid. I was a safety in school, was always, you know, a part of some type of volunteer cleanup. But officially, officially, I started doing like ministry at a church um, as a teenager. And you said that you sort of like found more queer, queer culture in the church? Was this like a church that was more open that you found in your town? Uh, no, it, 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 it was still underground culture. I just found more 
black teens like me who were Christian and gay. But it wasn't an open culture at all. We were very much secretive. Well, religion and the LGBTQ community, there's always been a little butting of heads. And I think that makes a lot of people maybe hesitant to get into it. So right. What was for you or you was that something that you're like, maybe this isn't going to be for me? I don't know. Um, I was trying to find a tribe, a place to belong. And since I believed in God, I figured, hey, well, maybe my tribe is at a church. I did not know at that time, because again, I wasn't raised in church, that, you know, the church was uh, that hypocritical and that critical of the LGBTQ community. But I mean, I was already plugged in and couldn't couldn't really go anywhere, still trying to find hope and love and all of that. So, uh, yeah, that was my connection. And you touch on religion, you touch on being like kind of having to learn about the LGBTQ community because you came out at 30 like what was something you learned about the community that you know struck a chord with you and you've kept all these years that's been important that you wish you knew maybe as a teen i wish i knew how many people were queer (laughs) (laughs) um i always felt alone i always felt like you know i was on this journey by myself and i only knew about queer people from like negative stories and people being perverts and pedophiles all these stories that people make up that's all i knew i just wish i knew more real live human beings who were queer in addition to i didn't learn this until 2017 that every 1000 people born in the world are born intersex meaning both hmm. genders i had no idea and it's like well how can you tell tell people they're not born this way when literally one in 1,000 people in the world are born both male and female. Wow. Well, factoid there. I didn't know that. That's that's a lot because there's a lot of people born every day. Yeah, (laughs) It's so (laughs) many people and yet, you know, culture in different parts of the world treated differently. Doctors and parents, sometimes doctors would make the decision but this was like an early, early time, would make the decision for parents and not even tell them that, hey, your child was born both male and female. They did the surgery and, you know, uh, made them one gender or the other. Or parents chose which gender that child was. But as the child grew older, their body started morphing into the opposite gender. Mm. And so, you know, this happens more often than not. It's 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 not talked about and addressed. But yes, like you said, one in 1,000 people born every day, I mean, born in the world, um, are born intersex, and it has a lot of people. Was there any topic in the that you were maybe worried about diving into in your book? Or were you like, no, it's either 100% in or not at all? Uh, Yeah, a lot of the topics. One was, you know, relationship with my parents and how truthful I wanted to be about our dynamic. And diving into, you know, the sources of a lot of the narratives that we speak. And going all the way back to uh, colonialism and, and white supremacy disrupting disrupting the order of the world and how in indigenous communities, Native American, African, Indian, South American, all of the world, Australian, indigenous spaces, they celebrated queer culture. They celebrated intersex. They celebrated two-spirit. They celebrated polyamory. They celebrated all these things. And colonialism came and just uprooted it all and said, nope, your savages this is how it's going to be except our eurocentric uh form of religion I actually just heard this word yesterday it was literally oppressive missionary work mm-hmm. um where their intent was to go and spread god but they went and spread our culture is the only culture and everything you're doing is is is, is savagery what i just want to know 
you are into ministry and you're so open and i think a lot of people coming up are starting to embrace that you can love you know your religion but you can also have an open mind to people's lives and differences do you think we are gearing more towards that and the more traditional ways are dying off absolutely tradition is dying off because more and more people are getting access to information like we never had before you know even going back as i talked about colonialism slaves on black african slaves only knew christianity through the teaching of their uh slave masters they can read they were stripped from their culture and so you literally had to depend on someone else for your knowledge and information and that pattern followed time where people only knew the bible based on what the pastor preached today you get online and you're connected to information from all over the world and and people are like okay I'm not listening to this message anymore because it's hypocritical and you're lying. I just Googled this and it says this. <laughs> and so the more and more we have access to information, the more and more I think people are becoming more spiritual and connecting to all the elements that, you know, creation has to offer our spirituality, our vibrations, um, the elements of the earth, um, time and space. Like people are t diving in and breaking away from tradition and age old doctrine that governed the lives of people who quite honestly lived barbarically. And yes, the principle of love, I think, stands the test of time. But having a law that says if your child is disobedient, you can stone them in the head. The whole community can. That's barbaric. I don't mm -hmm. think that's God. That's not love. And so people are getting away from these uh, age-old doctrines. Which is such a good thing because... Yes, I love it. There's more and more young people at brunch on Sundays than at church. Well, brunch has mimosas. <laughs> <laughs> and no judgments. Come and act, act and you get love, you get poured into, and you're ready for the week. <laughs> so on top of your book and ministry, what else keeps you busy in the community? Uh, well, you know, I'm on the tour, Stand for Love, Elevating the Black Queer Experience. I do a lot of activism in the community. I'm actually, as soon as I'm done here, um, a Unity Fellowship, late Archbishop Carl Bean started it in Los Angeles. And so they're having a day with youth and young people and talking about uh, all types of topics, AIDS, um, STDs, protecting yourself, getting checked, uh, parenting. And, 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 and youth relationships. So I do a lot of community work. And then I travel, party, and have fun. I love to eat. I'm a foodie. I travel the world just for the food. And so I just enjoy life. You mentioned like parent and children relationships. Can you like tell us really quick just how you think a parent should react when their child does come to them and they're like, well, like uh, sometimes I'm like a parent just should know. Maybe they just have an inkling. <laughs> but, you know, when the child does approach them and come out to them, how should they react? Well, one, I do. I have an ebook called The Birds and the Bees and Everything in Between, how to talk to your child about LGBTQ issues. Uh, it's available on my site. But the first thing I say that parents should do is be loving and be accepting don't mm -hmm. think for a moment about the issue whatever the issue is whether the child comes and says i'm pregnant i'm gay i'm lesbian i'm bisexual i'm transgender i'm in the wrong body i don't want to be called he i want to be called they or i don't want to be called uh he i want to be called she whatever it is do not react to that your initial reaction should be that of love and acceptance and a safe response because when you do not create, when someone reveals something to you that is so uh, sensitive and burdensome and, and vulnerable, if you reject that, 
they will never trust that space again. And so you need to create a space that is safe for them to share. And then eventually you can talk through it and, and talk through things you don't understand and get clarity. But at that very moment, they should feel safe. You should be their safe space. You should be their peace. But any, any uh, response that is rejected will literally disrupt the relationship and it could be forever damaged. I love that. I love the safe space. I always, I don't have children, but I was always like, I'm, I honestly, as long as they're happy, it's not going to be an issue with me, you know? And right. I hope that as a parent, you want your kid to be able to come to you with anything in their life, right? Right. 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 So can you tell people where they can not only find you online, but get a copy of I'm Black, I'm a Minister, and I'm gay? <laughs> I love how you say that. I lo- I'm going to repeat that over and over online. I love <laughs> how you say that. Um, yes. Uh, www.blacklove.com blacklovewins.com blacklovewins.com you can check me out there and all the other books I have and uh, on socials Twitter, Instagram is at iBenCarlton I-Ben-C-A-R-L-T-O-N my middle name is actually Carlton and I used to act like Carlton from Fresh Prince oh I forgot I had a huge crush on Will Smith from the Fresh Prince I still have a crush on him now but anyway I used to act like Carlton from Fresh Prince I could do the dance and everything and sing the song it's not unusual. <laughs> you know, I. <laughs> so, yes, uh, but I've been Carlton on the socials and blacklovewins.com. I feel like Carlton doesn't get, I think he gets overshadowed as like a black nerd because of Urkel, yeah. but he definitely deserves like top tier because that oh, guy. He, he was cooled down. He was preppy, you know, take me to the tennis court, golf course. Like Carlton was cool and he was, he, there'll be no Will Smith without uh, Carlton. We needed that that yin and yang, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I could talk about Will Smith all day, but Benjamin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about your 90s crushes and all these amazing things you're doing and this book. And everyone, you can find all of Benjamin's information below. And until next time, keep crushing it.